Welcome to Thought Revolution. This is a show for leaders like you who want to learn how to lead and manage in a way that expands your impact and influence. My name is Kristen Nebro and I am the founder of Impact Consultancy. And I'm excited to share with you my biggest aha moments and thought-provoking concepts that are designed to free up your time, your team's capacity, and your ability to create impact in the world. Let's go. Welcome to episode 35 of Thought Revolution, and I am finishing up my culture series. You know, yesterday I uh, was just delivering a webinar on culture mapping. So that's what we're going to do this podcast around and introduce you to it. Uh, you know, some of the links are going to be in the notes. And so if you're really interested in what I'm talking about, go ahead, check it out. There is a guide you can download as well as a webinar you can take a look at and understand what I'm talking about. But, you know, in that time, I was really thinking about um, some of the managers that I've had the opportunity to work with. So sometimes those managers are um, working with teams that are resistant to change or that aren't super excited about um, engaging with new ideas. Sometimes these are just new managers and they're just trying to figure out how to get off on the right foot. Um, sometimes these are leaders who have now inherited teams uh, that maybe have merged. Um, and sometimes these are leaders who are overseeing other managers and they're planning to scale and grow their business. And they're just really scratching their head around, how are we going to make sure that we maintain the culture? You know, it really doesn't matter who it was that showed up on that webinar. I think what's important to call out here and for you as a listener is that most of us want to build teams made up of people that love what they do and feel empowered to make things better. But this really doesn't happen on its own. And so that's what we find. I, I, I've noticed that most leaders are losing an enormous amount of time and energy reacting and reacting to dysfunctional team culture. So maybe you fall in this category. I hope you don't. Um, but most of us have some experience with it, whether it was um, at some point in our career and we were on a team and things were just kind of funk or if we're leading. And those teams tend to be resistant, reactive, and stuck. And what happens then is our efforts can end up being sabotaged by our team's culture. And it leaves us... It leaves us feeling tense or anxious, um, not really knowing how to approach things, um, knowing that we're going to have to deal with things. So then, and that becomes really our, our MO is we're having to deal, cope, get through things. And that's exhausting. And that can leave us maybe even doubting ourselves uh, or the situation, wondering like, is this even worth it? Or am I up to it? Or what, what, should I do, what should I be doing differently? So all of these things start to really get into the leader's head. And how I feel about it is that leaders that really make a difference. And, and I, I think any leader, but especially leaders that are really trying to make a difference, shouldn't be burned out because of a bad culture. And I'm going to frame it that way because there are some leaders that frame and create some cultures and it's kind of like the chickens coming home to roost. Like you can see that their leadership, um, it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really benefit anybody because they haven't quite learned how to lead others. They're, they're not effective leaders of themselves and watching those leaders, I'm like, oh man, there's just so much work to do here. But watching leaders who are really up to making a difference, who um, are high performing in their own right. They, it's hard for me to watch them struggle because of a bad culture. And so for me, it's always like, well, how do we write this? Because it's not that hard and it's not okay. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, I believe that good people really shouldn't fail because of bad systems. And so I believe that if you're a leader, for the most part, you made a decision to make a difference because being a leader is not easy. It's hard. And I know that this community needs your leadership. They, they need you to succeed. And if you succeed, and this is going to sound corny, but why this matters to me is that if you succeed, then that means that the people on your team are succeeding. And if they're succeeding, that means that they're coming home and they're being better moms, dads, neighbors, um, friends. And so I want to live in a community where people feel actually uplifted instead of drained because there's already so much that takes away from us 
that um, you know the last thing we need is leadership that isn't necessarily poor, but maybe isn't um, rich with um, just like all of the skills that'll make a difference for them. So that's really important for me. And so that's really the the kind of impact I want to have in the world is growing leaders so they can grow others because I think that's just like you know, the ultimately coolest thing. And um, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to share with you a simple, repeatable framework that you can use to create a team culture. You can go ahead and check out more um, by visiting my website and, and um, you'll get more through, um, you know, my free training and um, a guide that you can download as well. But I'm excited to share and, and you know, really walk you through how you can leverage this framework because it's, it's actually not that hard. It's just things that we haven't been taught and just don't do. It reminds me of like nutrition where you just didn't learn certain things and now that you know them, you can make some really cool adjustments um, without having to like, you know, um, do anything really difficult. And I'm going to start by sharing that I've noticed that there's a pattern and there's a pattern that seems to repeat itself over and over again in almost every organization I visit. And there tends to be these four breakdowns in leadership. There are things that we're either not doing or not really doing well and it really limits our ability to drive culture. So I'm going to walk through these. You tell me if you've experienced them and they, re- they pertain to culture. And the first one is that there's an unclear culture. In other words, um, most leaders haven't actually defined the culture that they want and then, or they haven't aligned their team around it. And so um, teams might be unclear about what it is that they're trying to create as a culture. And so in the absence of clarity, something else will emerge. Two, there's usually unclear behavior. So we've never declared um, how we want to live or show up for this culture. And so obviously if you haven't declared a culture, then you haven't been able to declare how you're going to show up or live out this culture. Um, or maybe teams have like behavior expectations, but they're not really anchored to any culture. They're just in a vacuum. That's just not very strong. Three is there's typically unclear drivers. And what I mean by that is sometimes some organizations have clarified, oh, we want to be this way, so a culture, and we're going to act this way, so behaviors. But they've never talked through and taught people what are the levers to actually drive how they want that to show up. They just expect people to do it. And last but not least, there's no owner. It's not clear. you know. So if everybody's um, job is to drive the culture, then really nobody's is. And so for me, I really believe that the manager is the cultural architect. So we're going to talk about undoing these four breakdowns today. And through my consulting, I developed a framework to address these four breakdowns that some of you maybe have already experienced. It's going to help align your team. And um, there's a tool that, again, you're going to have to take a look at and you're going to have to um, download. You can just go to the show notes. There'll be a link there. Please download it. It's the Culture Map Canvas. Um, I'm always using it. Some of you might not be aware that I'm using it if I'm working with your teams, Um, but it really gives a visual and very clear picture of how to address those four breakdowns and really begin to move your team in a particular cultural direction. And there's four parts of this culture map and they kind of undo the four breakdowns. So we declare, we're declaring the culture. So we're going to go from unclear to clear. We're going to define the behaviors. So we're going to go from unsure to aligned. We're going to design the systems and practices. So I'm going to teach you what levers to pull to drive the behaviors. And then last but not least, we're going to drive the culture itself. So we're going to have you see yourself as the architect so that you actually know what to do. So imagine, like imagine if you could really start to shift your team that maybe felt resistant. Um, Imagine if you were actually able to go to any team then and begin to drive um, them a particular direction. And now I'm going to take you one step further. Imagine if you were now the go-to mentor for other leaders, other managers to teach them how to do this so that as they were overseeing the teams that you were responsible for as well, um, they could be way more effective. So like the 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 amplifier around this to me is like so important and so amazing. So let me walk you through this. And again, this is just a high level uh, just to get you familiar with it because I think culture mapping is a really cool leadership process that almost nobody knows about, but everybody should do. 
So the first step is to really get clear on and declare the culture that you want. So in the guide, and again, pause at any moment, go to the show notes, download the guide, and then listen back in. Um, But in the guide, there's an exercise that I have people go through, and I really want them to begin to think about what is currently taking away from your performance. So what kinds of behaviors are getting in the way of you being able to, you know, do some of your very best work? And maybe it's resistance to change. Maybe it's resistance to feedback. You know, maybe there's just very little collaboration. You want to begin to see this. And there's an exercise that, you know, I take folks through, you know, because your your job as a manager isn't to plan every aspect of culture and it's just not worth it and you can't do it because it's dynamic. But your job is to be totally intentional about the 20% of behaviors that drive 80% of your performance and engagement. Like that's really your job. So you've got to figure that out. And once you've figured that out, then you can come to your canvas, your team culture campus, uh, culture mapping canvas, and declare the culture <clears throat> or aspect of culture that you want to build. So maybe you want a culture of innovation. Maybe you want a culture of leadership or initiative. Maybe it's a culture of safety, a culture of collaboration, a culture of inclusion. Maybe it's a coaching culture. Um, but you got to give it a name. That's the number one thing. You have to name it like it's a kid. Like, you know, give it a name. Two, state what it means, right? And we'll talk about that. And three, which I think is really important, it should be connected to the pain points that you're trying to solve that are limiting your team. There is nothing more powerful than a pain. Like pain is such an awesome motivator. Um, and it doesn't have to be like some horrible like rock bottom, I've you know, you know lost everything in my life kind of pain, but just something that folks are really tired of. And you're going to know what that is. Uh, you probably already do. So I had one team that was struggling and they were working in silos and not feeling empowered to make changes. And they came up with um, – they're, they named it a culture of daily team-based problem-solving and experimentation. And uh, it's a little wordy. Um, I asked them if they meant, is this a culture of continuous improvement? And they said, nope. And I was like, fine, that's fine, um, as long as they could remember it. But then I asked them, well, what does that mean exactly? And um, basically they said that it's a place where uh, everybody on the team owns the work um, and the processes – that they have are owned by people who do the work. So they felt disempowered because they didn't own the process. And they talked about how improving the work is the work. And I think that was important because they felt disempowered and um, siloed. And so those two things started to really act against that. And they really understood like what that meant then. So if they were going to have daily team-based problem solving and experimentation, then that means that they need to start owning their processes and they need to start making some improvements um, because they didn't like what they were experiencing anymore with feeling disconnected um, and feeling disempowered. So you can start to see how this takes shape. Now, it sounds a little back of the napkin um, as I'm explaining it, but these these conversations take time. They take shape. But what's important is they come from those who are on the team um, and they are the meaning is created by those on the team. I, I, I don't think that this is a managerial activity. So the manager might go out and start to understand what are some of the pains. But what I'm describing here is a process that managers and leaders take their teams through because the manager is the architect of the culture, but that doesn't mean that they create it. It's co-created because it's a shared value kind of a thing. But that means that you have to know a process to take people through to co-create it. So that's that first part. You got to you gotta be able to declare, declare the culture, give it a name, give it a meaning. The second thing that you want to do is you want to define the behavior. So how are we going to live this culture? Like how are we going to show up? And I think that's really important. So again, going back to that assessment and thinking about what are the things that people were struggling with. And um, and then you want to come up with like a couple of behavioral statements. Now, I'm going to give you some examples here um, just so you can hear what they sound like. But that same team said that they were going to have problems and ideas made visible by teams daily. 
So that's pretty cool. The second thing they were going to do is they were going to run small tests of change, so small experiments, every week by every team um, with visible recognition. And here's what I love about these two examples. Um, one, if I'm an outsider, I could actually see those things happening, right? Like they, they're observable. And two, they're directly connected to the culture that is addressing the pain. So that's what's pretty killer. So um, those things are awesome about that. A couple things to say that I think these are the mistakes that people often make when they're trying to come up with behaviors. They often come up with these behaviors that are really not observable. Um, and I think that's really important. They got to make sure that your uh, you know, behavior is going to be really quantifiable. So don't don't put down like behaviors like people are going to be empathetic or they're going to be vulnerable or open to feedback. Nothing is wrong with any of those things happening. The problem is you can't see them happening. So if someone were to practice showing up empathy uh, or showing empathy, like what would they actually be doing or saying? That's what you want to capture for each behavior. So, you know, use verbs like um, asks for feedback or help, shares stories or ideas. You know, I could see that. I could hear that tells what you heard, attends meeting on time. <laughs> like you can see those things. So um, make those behavior statements observable. Um, uh, one more thing I would say is that, you know, make sure you don't have more than one to three behaviors for describing the kind of culture that you want. And I know it's going to take more than that to really like drive things, but people can't engage with more than that. They just don't have time. They won't be able to remember it all. It's brand new and you've already got a billion things going on. And so on the culture map itself, on the canvas, you're going to see there's only room for three behaviors because I don't want you to get um, any more than that. So um, stick with like the one to three that you think are going to make a difference, make them super um, observable and definable and um, and just start practice. Just just go from there because that's really your job is what are the 20% of behaviors, those, those, those few behaviors that are going to drive the majority of your performance. You would be surprised um, how much leverage you can actually get. So... Um, so those are the first two steps. You know, we're going to declare a culture. We're going to define the behaviors. That right there, if you were to stop, um, is an amazing amount of work because almost nobody does it. When I ask folks um, to tell me what they hate about their culture or what's hard about it, um, you know, they'll describe lots of things that don't always sound fun. Then when I ask, well, what's the kind of culture that, you know, you are trying to create or what's the culture that everybody thinks you're creating? And sometimes they'll look at me like I just asked them a long division question because they never actually thought about it or um, they hadn't really shared it or they really didn't. And here comes the next part. They really didn't um, know how to drive it. Um, and so those first two pieces are huge because you can't do anything until everybody understands that this is the culture that we want. You have to have a name for it and this is what it means, right? Um, if you want a coaching culture and what it means is that we all grow together to be able to, you know, do something, you know, be awesome together, then I think that's that you got to be able to say that. And everyone has to understand like what that means and why it's important because it has to be connected to a pain. So make sure that that's there. This third part now is, um, all about making sure that we have a lot more clarity and how we're going to drive and drive the, the behaviors. So this one's a little tricky, but I'm going to walk you through it. See, most people think that really driving culture has more to do with getting the right people on board. And that's true. I think you can do it that way. You just have more variability and less control um, over your ability to truly drive something. So you definitely need the right cultural fit. Um, that's a part of the equation. But um, but then that still abdicates you from, you know, the responsibility that you have. So that's why I think like that's just not, 
it shouldn't stop there. That's just like a, a part of the equation on the front end. Um, truly, when you're in organizations, and we've talked about this when it comes to results, but systems and structures, they play a powerful role in shaping behaviors. They really do. Um, and so when I say system, I just, without getting too deep, I'm really talking about like some of the tools, practices, or processes that you have that maybe work together um, and, and they have a connected purpose. So um, maybe you have a recognition system. You probably all have time card systems, but I don't mean the software. I mean like what you all do to make sure that you get paid on time. So all of the tools, the processes, the practices. You probably have a performance management system. Um, so how you do yearly evaluations and maybe like quarterly evals and then maybe a monthly check-in and maybe even um, individual employees have their own goals that they set and maybe they have their own training plan and then maybe you have team trainings. Like all of those things work together to create like a performance management system to help you understand how an employee is progressing and growing um, in the direction of where the company needs them to be. And maybe it's connected to another system, which is like your um, compensation and benefits, right? So how someone gets promoted or grows, you know, in their ability to, you know, earn more. So those are systems and those are organizational systems, but you also have systems on your team. And so that's usually what we uncover. When I come in to work with a lot of you all, um, I'm typically in, I'm helping you really build, you know, usually one of three systems, your improvement system. So how do you begin improving some of your work? I'm helping you build your um, four disciplines or daily management system, your teamwork management system. So how do you manage some of the day-to-day -day processes of coordinating the work so that you don't have um, a ton of crisis to deal with? So making the work visible and making it move. Or I'm helping you deal with and install a way, a system to um, work on your strategy execution. So how do we work on our goals? Um, and how do we make sure that in addition to our daily work, we're able to focus and move forward on some of our long-term goals that we have. Those are usually one of the three systems that if you've worked with me, you've had me be able to um, begin to install. And and behind the scenes, I'm usually um, it, um, I'm usually uh, working through this culture map um, with you. And some of you have worked through it more explicitly, but I'm making sure that this is a big part of what we're doing. And so um, rather than like trying to explain systems anymore, uh, I'm just going to give you an example of what this looks like so that you get an idea of how this works together. So I worked with one team and they declared that they wanted a coaching culture. And what they said that means is that um, it's an environment where everyone grows by giving and getting feedback so they can be awesome. And I was like, well, what does that mean? But um, in that organization, it meant something like I think they had some kind of like um, slogan, awesome work, awesome life. So that I let awesome go because it fit for them. And uh, and then when we got to like the systems, you know, we look at one system and we said, OK, well, uh, if that's what you want to do, oh, I'm sorry, well, then what are the behaviors? And so just to give you one behavior, because I don't want you to have to hold too much in your head right now. They said one behavior would be that um, team members would share what they are learning every week with everyone. So this is an organization that wasn't used to coaching. So they weren't trying to like create like um, a behavior that was that was going to push them too far. Like they were being appropriate in the next step. Pushing too far would be teammates are asking for, you know, feedback or giving feedback or asking to be observed. Like that, that's probably too far um, that people aren't ready for. So we're growing a culture and we're growing behaviors and mindsets in a direction of where we want to get to. So that's where they wanted to get to. So then an appropriate behavior that they defined was that teammates would share what they are learning every week with everyone. Now I could go in and I could see whether or not teammates are sharing what they're learning every week with everyone, right? I can begin to see that and find out how that's going. And I like that it's really um, 
when you think about safety, it's, you know, super safe because they're learn they're just sharing what they're learning. They're not sharing anything else. So you, that's really broad and it opens up and invites, you know, somebody to, to choose, you know, where they want to step into that. The system. Well, since they're sharing, we chose their system, their communication system. So their systems of how is it that they, you know, um, when you look at the system altogether, like how do they communicate with each other through, um, through staff meetings, through one-on-ones. Um, they happen to use like um, an internal digital messaging service. They use Slack um, through emails, everything like that. So two things that they use. So the, the system was communication system. And then the practices that they embedded some behaviors in to be able to, to live this was they had their daily Slack channel um, where they, they use Slack. I'm sorry, they use Slack to begin to um, uh, digital message, message. It's kind of like texting with each other inside of the organization. And every single day they had the practice of at least one times a day um, putting in a hashtag and hashtag take back. And so they were talking about take backs. And so um, it really didn't matter what you know had come up they just want to get in the practice of talking about something they wish they could take back whether it was in their personal life like i really screwed up with my kid this morning or my spouse um or when i was driving i did this or whether it was a conversation that they had at work or whether it was a way that they led something or the way that they just learned something about how they write up a certain report it's like so they, they would just they would just throw it out there really quick hashtag take back and then like what they just learned right so it was practicing every single day um sharing what they're learning with everybody so it was really cool um, to begin to just see like how frequently people are doing it. And, you know, it took a little bit of time to get them going, but once they did, you know, folks had a lot of latitude with, you know, the take backs. Um, and again, it's just getting used to having people share mistakes, quite frankly, that's all that it was. Um, so they're, they're being vulnerable, uh, but in the way that was most comfortable for them and just practicing, creating like this behavior that would shape a culture. The other thing that they did and these were just two examples, was they had, um, you know, weekly stand-up meeting, and it was like a longer 30-minute meeting. It wasn't a huddle. It was a, a longer stand-up meeting. And they would take five minutes at the end, and they called it Mistake Monday. And on Mistake Monday, they would talk about mistakes that they might have made, so bigger mistakes. And it could be something from a take-back, or it could be something bigger. And they just went around really quick and just shared a mistake that they uh, made that they learned from, or that they you know, um, could learn for them. And I, and it began to open up just something different. So if you think about that, what was happening is they declared a culture that they wanted was the coaching culture. They wanted that because they wanted an environment where people could grow by giving and getting feedback. They were going to show up by sharing what they were learning every week with everybody. And so every single day they were using their, their form of email, their digital messaging Slack to talk about like little things that they wish they could take back. And once a week they were beginning to share you know, eyeball to eyeball in front of everybody, mistakes that they might have made um, that they learned from. And so they were embedding these behaviors. And and in this way, and there was more to it than that, but you're starting to see how the, if the culture map works like this because um, on this map, I could visually see the behaviors that they were trying to embed every single day. Instead of a user experience, it was a customer, instead of a customer experience or user experience, it was an employee experience. What was the employee experience? What were the behaviors that the management team was trying to drive with the team to be able to create how people were going to show up to begin to make the culture real? And so it was so cool. It's so cool to begin to see them um, actually do this. And, um, and that's just one example of how using that canvas helped frame um, how they were going to go about beginning to shape everyone's you know um, behavior because what they started to have was this vertical alignment 
between their team culture, their behaviors, and their daily practices to drive a brand new experience that was going to build um, safety for and openness for change for a coaching culture. And it wasn't forced. It was just part of how they operated. They didn't have to, you know, call out some, you know, silly slogan like, well, you know, be safe today. Like, not that that's bad, um, but it didn't feel forced because it was just a part of them creating something that they wanted. Uh, and so I think that's what was really cool about this is, and, and this, that last part is probably the most difficult, but it's also the most um, important and it feels like magic because it's kind of the secret that nobody else is taught to do. It's using your your practices and your systems to embed your behaviors. So it's awesome. So let me talk about the last um, part now. We've gone through declaring the culture, defining the behaviors, driving the systems. Um, and again, you know, I'm going to just pull, plug again. Take the webinar. Um, you're going to learn a little bit more. Download the guide. Some of this is going to make more sense. Um, and then the last part is driving. And, and for me, this is all about, for you as a manager, seeing yourself as an architect. Because you obviously can't create this culture on your own, but you do have to own the process of co-creating it with your people. I mean, just like you can't build a house without drawings, you cannot build a culture without a map. And so if you're a manager, this is really about you and your staff. If this is a large department, this could be you as a manager building a culture map um, for the department with your supervisors. And so they're building something within their teams, and then it rolls back up um, to unite the department, um, which maybe even aligns to the greater um, organizational culture. Um, if you're a director, this is you teaching your managers and then it trickles down from there. So you really becomes a visual way to really create what you want in your organization. And, and I think a big part of driving culture is, um, is seeing yourself as this architect and knowing that you are the one that's responsible. You're the one that's going to, um, co-create this map. You're going to lead people through a process. You're going to begin to assess whether or not what you're trying is actually making a difference. Do we have the right behaviors? Are they creating the culture that we want? Um, once the, those behaviors really taken hold, what else would we introduce to really keep honing and, and, and deepening this culture? Because that's what this is. It's like, you know, it's just like anything else, like, you know, trying to stay healthy. You can't just hop on a treadmill once and be done, right? Just like continuous improvement, you can't, you know, standardize a process once and be done. You're constantly paying attention to it. But now you've got a simple tool um, to be able to assess like what is you're trying to accomplish and whether or not it's working. And I think that's what's so cool about it. Uh, and then it's so um, accessible, I think is great. Like you don't need to spend a whole bunch of money on software and tools. You don't need to go spend days at a offsite retreat. Like this is just something you can do and why it's not common knowledge frustrates me. And I don't think I realized that until of late. So I'm sharing that here on the podcast. Um, I'm pumping up the webinar. I would love for you to go and just, it's free. Just take it. I want you to download the guide. I want you to, to see what it looks like um, because I want you to really feel confident and know what to do. I want you to um, feel certain that this is the direction you go in. Not that it's always easy um, because most things in life that are worth doing aren't, but at least you know that it's possible and you know what to do. And those two things make a difference. So um, that's really what I'm holding up for you here in this particular um, episode. All right, big sigh. That is my thought for the week. This is the thought revolution that um, I'm excited to create with you, with your teams, with your organization. Like this is really what we want. This is for you, the leader that is um, open to new ideas, for new ways of thinking, for trying out new things, for someone who's ready for that change but is looking for the vehicle for that change because this is the kind of revolution that I want for you to be the kind of leader that feels that they have the confidence to either go and effectively 
make a difference or to know what they need to do to learn what they need to be able to understand to go out and make that difference. So, because all of you are waking up every single day with this um, mission to make a difference. And what I want you to do is be able to spend more time making a difference and less time just making things work because that's just a recipe to burn out. So, thanks you guys so much for listening. Um, that's been our episode and I'll catch up with you guys uh, next time, next year.